All right, guys, uh, Pastor Josh here uh, with the Morning After podcast. Uh, got a bit of a confession to make, kind of bummed. Um, as you know, we've been doing this weekly podcast, uh, just kind of like uh, behind the scenes with whoever's speaking this week. Um, this week it was J.P. Dorsey. We had a really good conversation, uh, recorded all of it. It was me, Pastor Jim, J.P. Dorsey, and I came home to edit it and um as you, I think you might know, uh, we use these pretty nice microphones to record it. That's why the audio sounds so good. And I realized when I got home that I had recorded all of the audio through my laptop mic and not through the microphones. Uh, super bummed. So um, this is kind of the intro for the week just to let you know that I, I still think it's good. He had a lot of really good things to say. Um, yeah, just a great guy to talk to. But the audio does not sound nearly as good as the last two weeks. I'm super bummed about that. I promise next week it'll be back to good sounding audio. Um, but listen to it. It's really good. He's, he says a lot of really good stuff. Um, and I'm sorry for the quality of the audio. Uh, yeah, but without further ado, uh, here's J.P. Dorsey, myself, and Pastor Jim. Hope you guys enjoy. Good morning, uh, Freedom Center, whoever else is listening to this. Welcome to the Morning After podcast. Um, I forgot to mention that last week, that we did come up with a name for it. It is the Morning After. Oh, I like um, the hangover. We didn't take the hangover. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for those that are listening, you obviously already realized Pastor Jim is here with me. Uh, Pastor Josh <laughs> here with Pastor Jim. And uh, Dr. J.P. Dorsey, I believe. Doctor or just JP Dorsey? Just okay, That's or true. just JP. What's your wife um, calling? Does she call you doctor no, or master? She's talking yeah. to master. <laughs> no, no, she does not. If she hears this, I will be thrashed. Yeah. <laughs> just JP's favorite. Yeah. Uh, can you just give us a quick introduction of where you're you're from and what sure. what you do? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So JP Dorsey, uh, and right now I'm staff pastor at Grand Rapids First, okay. and loving that. And uh, my primary responsibility course is running uh, North Point Bible College. Yeah. That's it. Now, North Point is, um, I just listened to you talk about it a little bit today, and I'm very impressed because of what your guys' vision statement is, or what you're saying your goal of it yeah. is, is we want to equip young people with tools to do ministry, right. but we don't want to equip them with a hundred to $200,000 right. in debt. Or their parents. Um, yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's right. big for me. Anybody I want, who loves them. <laughs> I, went to, uh, I went to Spring Arbor University, which is sure. a small Christian sure. college yeah. just uh, west of Jackson. Yes. And uh, that's me right now, is right. I have that debt. And um, we're, my wife and I are just exploring different ways for us to get out of that. Right. Because it is a huge burden on ministry. You, you can't accept certain positions because they just don't pay That's enough right. for you to be able to... It's another mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Yep. exactly. Isn't, isn't about the equivalent of your mortgage right now, your student loan payments? Pretty similar, yeah. It's a yeah. little bit less, but yeah, it's definitely quite a bit of a... Of a right. pay. It's the highest payment that we have other than our mortgages, sure, yeah. my wife and I's combined student loan payments. So yeah. what you guys are doing is awesome. Yeah. Um, when I, I graduated in 2009 from high school, right. and I felt like if you were an Assemblies of God kid, your option was you went to North Central, sure. and that was... The only option. Right. I didn't even know. Maybe you guys didn't exist then, but I didn't even know that it was an option. Right. You know, so um, I hear more and more of kids graduating and exploring your school as an option, yeah. in the, specifically in the Michigan district. Yeah. Um, 
So thanks for doing that. Yeah, right. it's, a, it's a blast. Yeah. Did you pioneer that? Was that kind of your idea? Or was that, did somebody came to you and say, hey, you want to start Bible college? You know, I, I, no one person, I mean, you know, I know this sounds cliche, but um, it really was a God thing. I mean, it goes back, uh, I was pastoring a church, had one of these just, you know, one of those few moments in your life where you're like, man, if that wasn't the voice of God, I don't know what God sounds like. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm lost. Right. And um, during that that time, the Lord said, hey, I want you to be involved in preparing people for ministry. So I started a journey preparing myself for that. Um, what I didn't know is that uh, before Pastor Sam was there, growing up its first, had had literally for, for decades, had had on their ongoing prayer agenda starting the Bible college. It was part of their, wow. their vision. Pastor Sam definitely was like, I, that resonates with me. That's that's a part of the DNA of this place. And mm-hmm. um, so that piece was in place. And also the uh, vice president of the college, I had recently become a friend with him. And all, all these pieces were happening without any of us knowing the other thing was happening. Right. And um, literally ended up in just one meeting. And uh, the CFO of Incredibus First, who was a, a good friend, had been a board member where I was a youth pastor. And I gave him a call about just teaching a class there. And he said, he said, oh, no, no, no. He said, he said, this might be the moment. We've been looking to do more than that. And let me call you back. And when we got together, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I really feel almost guilty about how easy it's been. <laughs> it's not awful. Like we always think, yeah. you know, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be hard work. Right. And there has just been the, the quality of the people that are involved. Yeah. Um, and I think just the fact that it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, when you well, the it, cooperation too, right? Grand Rapids first, exactly. years here, and they built a facility, I think, for like Sunday school. Yes, but really equips the classroom, the college classroom, extraordinarily well. well. There's another incredible piece of that is that um, that space had been dedicated for a K through 12 school, mm-hmm. and right at the time that the school grew to the place, our school, the North Point, where we needed more space, um, they decided to go build their own facility mm-hmm. and vacate enough room for. About 300 students at a time on, the, on our schedule, our two-day week schedule, we can house about 600 students in there. Wow. wow. So we're poised awesome. for the next uh, season of growth, and um, it's it's just been incredible. At the Everyone told us we couldn't do it at the price point that we're doing. It. So I was going to say, that was the price point the goal, and you got the like, education around it, or did you say, I mean, how, how is it that North North Point is so much less money yeah. Than, yeah. than other, how yeah, do you accomplish that? Yeah, so there's a number of ways that we do that. Um, the first one, obviously, you've already mentioned, is Grand Rapids First has a genuine, legitimate passion right. to see this happen. Right. And, um, you know, you sit in enough meetings with people who feel called in the mission field and can't go until 10 years from now and they get their yeah. Uh, yeah. debt paid off. And you start to just, I'm going to be honest, you know, you start to get a little angry. Like, we got to do something about this. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a feeling of injustice about that. Yeah. And uh, so their heart, and not just not just Pastor Sam, not just the board, not just the leadership, but the church was just like, yes, this is, this is right. This is... So this last summer when we got together and we needed to renovate about 60,000 square feet, people wow. showed up in droves. And wow. You know, we're able to do- now to give people an idea, the main auditorium is just under 10,000 square feet. Yeah. So six times. So six, yeah. And it's classroom space, right? right. right. Space, so a lot more walls to paint, a lot more you know, individual compartments in that. Yeah. That's incredible. We tore everything out. We actually just had, uh, I got back from a three week vacation to find out the national accreditors that scheduled a meeting with me Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> When I got back, for which I was incredibly grateful, and um, you know, he, we're just blown away because he walked on. He said, "JP," he said, "He said, I know you know this." He said, "But your facilities are, are phenomenal." Yeah. And so that's been that's been a huge part of the equation. Right. Um, when I told him what percentage of our budget goes to maintaining uh, facilities and infrastructure, he's just like, "That that's that's not a thing." That's right. not the way that works. <laughs> So shout out to Grand Rapids Absolutely. First, yeah. Starship Enterprise of the Midwest. Absolutely. Right. And, the, and the cool thing about that is the generosity from the very beginning was, 
hey, not how do we get everybody in the orbit of Grand Rapids first, but the whole deal with the two-day program mm-hmm. was specifically so that someone could stay intact in their local church. Yeah. From the very beginning, we're like, look, we don't, we don't want to take anybody. We want to, we right. want to raise the level for everybody. Yeah. And so the cool thing is a student can come over on Sunday night, Monday morning, take their two days of class, be back home on Wednesday, learning, adding value to where they're at, getting their hands dirty in ministry and still yeah. in school. So it's great. The other the other though is simple efficiency. Um, we we run a very uh, tight, clean program. We don't try to do everything for everybody. We know what we're doing, we don't do anything else. Yeah. And we run a cohort model. So our classes are pretty much we cap our classes about 25, but we fill those classes. Mm-hmm. And so we just, it's, it's very, very much about efficiency for us. And, uh, you know, we have a saying, we're like, you know, the only people's money we ever spend is students. I mean, that's, we, yeah. don't, we don't do a lot of capital campaign raising. We're determined to live off the budget we actually have. Mm-hmm. We right. have almost 100% off tuition dollars. Oh, that's and, awesome. Um, uh, we just determined to do that. We've been, we're the only school I'm aware of. Uh, we'll be going to our ninth year with 0% tuition increase. Wow. Like net de- actually, actually, in that decrease, the average school right now um, uh, increases between 3 and 9% a yep. year and a doubling about every 10 years. Yeah. So it's just, I, I, love being, I love being a part of that because it's a real solution. So my son is six months old, so yes, hopefully you're still around in 18 years. <laughs> and hopefully the tuition's the same right. price we, that it is today. We've actually talked about prepayment, years. you know. Yeah. Right. Whatever, yeah. We've not increased our tuition in 27 years. Right. right. That's what you need I to I would love that. That's I'll tell awesome. you, our goal, you know, our goal really is to, uh, to, to see it continue and, and potentially even to go down. Our net tuition has gone down because we have more scholarships available than we right. did at the very beginning, more more kind of uh, cash discounts available. We don't do any true discount scholarships because, um, for just being honest, we want uh, if someone doesn't pay, the other people get to make up that difference. Mm-hmm. And so we just don't do that. But yeah. Any scholarships we give are are, uh, are cash, so there's cash behind them, so that mm-hmm. other students don't need to compensate for that. Right. And we just felt like for us again, I'm not saying anybody else. For us, that felt like a little bit of an ethical issue. Everybody yeah. deserved the same opportunity. Right. Awesome. Cool. Well, that's that's. Uh, I felt like just in the Michigan district, like I've already said, there's there's been that 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 scratch or that itch, and yeah. you guys are kind of scratching it finally. Yeah, so it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, let's get into Sunday a little yeah. bit today. So normally we record this podcast on Monday. Uh, JP's been kind enough to stay after service and let's record it on Sunday because he's going back home. Um, Service was awesome today. I, I loved it. Um, I'm a little bit of a history buff, so I enjoy I enjoy like getting into. Um, I don't know. I'm not as much of a uh, as a questioner, so I just read the Bible as truth, and I always have. Um, I had, my testimony is more of what your what your what your wife's was was. Right. I was saved in the womb and right. came out in the baptismal tank. You know, um, I'm so jealous. So, but. When you say things like, uh, I've always questioned like the validity of the Bible, I'm like, oh, I've never even thought about it being right. valid or whatever. But then when you start digging into it, just very, very uh, interesting stuff. Um, just curious, and I think we already talked about this a little bit before this, the podcast started recording, but at what point did you just decide the Bible is truth? You've, you're a questioner your whole life, and at some point you just had to accept it's it's truth. It's valid. Well, you know the Bible. I hate to say this because this could be taken the wrong way, but the Bible played almost zero role in my becoming a Christian. Okay. So that whole question of Scripture really kind of came into play later. Yeah. If I'm being honest. So yep. I, mean, I have this this you know radical encounter with Christ at 19 years old, and um, I mean it was just just undeniable um, life change. Things changed in my life that I didn't even try to change. You know, so on and so forth. Right. 
And um, so I would say, and, and I'm going to make up this timeline in terms of the exact, you know, the exact length of time, but probably yeah. something like a year or two. I just read the Bible like every other Christian mm-hmm. and didn't really think anything about it. You know, I just right. thought, well, I've had this encounter and everyone's telling me this book is, um, is it a, I'm going to use the word magic because that was a little bit of the way it was articulated yeah. to me. Right. Um, is that it almost wasn't a, it almost wasn't a human book. It was, it was the book that God wrote, you know? Right. Yeah. And, um, so then, you know, maybe a couple of years into it, something like that, someone said something to me and they, and, and this began to germinate, I think really, and, and still germinates in me. And that is that if, if God is transcendent, God is ultimate. So let me just use a, a simple example. Um, we all believe that we have signs in our life of who God might be. We might have a parent that's really loving. And we don't believe that's on accident, that God created moms and dads. And right. They're designed to remind us of who God is. And that's why it hurts so bad when they don't. You know, it's, yeah. um, and, and, but we all also understand that that love that a parent shows might be approximate. It might be an invitation to think about the love of God, but there is no way in the world it's equivalent. It's just right. Yeah. And when thinking about philosophy and having this conversation, someone said, you understand that language is the same way, right? So language is also approximate. Language is not infinite. Language is finite. Yeah. So even the language that we use to describe the things about God is not adequate. Mm-hmm. That immediately had me thinking, well, what on earth is scripture then? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right? So, yep. I mean, if because I have been led to believe that there was a one-on-one correlation between what scripture said and who God is. Hmm. And... Um, that that correlation was not only approximate and authentic and honest, but that it was actual. Right. And that was what began to be problematic. The second thing that became problematic for me was when I, you know, you start realizing that the the rich history of how Scripture comes to be is human. It's yeah. complex. There are councils involved, and there right. are debates involved, and there are yeah. people in church history like Martin Luther who says, James, ah, I don't think so. Yeah, the epistle is strong, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and, and you're like, wait, but wait a minute, it's the magic book we all just know, yeah. you know? And uh, it was a real challenge for me. So, um, like, as I mentioned in church, it was a, a real, legitimate, genuine, bona fide uh, crisis for me. Mm-hmm. And um, trying the normal, uh, in, in no dismissal to, I love the ministries of people like Robbie Zacharias, sure, and Strobel, yeah. very, very valuable in the sense that sometimes you just have to look at people and go, look, Christians aren't dumb. Okay. You know, and, and I think yeah. they do a good job of making that case and helping people understand that, that, that Christian faith is not irrational, but it's also not rational. It's, su- it's, it's what I would call super rational. It's not sub-rational, yeah. super rational, mm-hmm. above rationality. And um, so I read all that stuff and and just to be honest, that stuff felt dissatisfying to me. Because I could always come up with another question I couldn't answer. Yeah. And it wasn't like I was trying. Answer. They just right. erupt out of my mind. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I'm like, I'm jealous, you know, because I would you know, literally lie awake at night and just, you know, I'd answer one question. It was like whack-a-mole. You know, I'd answer one yeah. question and another question would pop up, answer another yeah. question, another question would pop right. up. Just kind of the way that I'm wired. And mm-hmm. I think... Um, you know, all kinds of head games going on, you know, love, it's, it's because you don't love God, it's because <laughs> you, I, you know, you laugh, but it was like, yeah. really, you know, I'm a new Christian, yeah. and, you know, you don't love God, or you're, you know, if you really, if you really trusted God, like you would, you would believe, and like everybody else does, yeah. what I came to find out is that everybody else was, was not true, and that was evidence this morning, you know, we gave yeah. some, some wonderful, brave friends, you know, you ask, raise your hand and say, you know, I've had time for a doubt of God, and yeah, I'm guessing, 
I don't know, 25 percent, sure, 20, 25 percent of the congregation. Yeah, 25 percent reliance. Really, it's really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it could have been. Right. And that's kind yeah. of a gutsy. Sometimes that's a gutsy thing to say in church because yeah. we equivocate any kind of weakness in our in our belief as though that person somehow lacks whatever. Right. What's funny is that's in an untested state in church with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed. That's not yeah. when somebody's got a sword to your throat. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're saying, people are. Mm-hmm. It's it's when you say I'll do anything for you, Jesus, until you're asked to do something. Yeah, you yeah. Find out you're really worried. Yeah. So for me, then the questions, and I made the statement this for you, and it really boiled down to this for me is is um, I had I I based all my belief in God based on I had an encounter. Now there's scripture. Now everything about God flows from scripture. Yeah. And um, I really had to come to grips with that idea that no, no, I believe in scripture because I believe in God, not the other way around. Yeah, and that good. scripture is critical. Yeah. I mean, I always use this example. So, you know, three people can have an experience with God. Mm-hmm. So let's say the, the three of us, we're, we're, uh, we're on the beach a mile down the road from each other. Aurora Borealis is just blazing. There's, you know, meteorites flying through the sky. It's just jaw-dropping. This is awesome. Yeah. And um, all three of us, I believe, scripture says in the beginning, God spoke and he spoke the world into creation. I see we walk in God's speech. You know, we literally walk in God's speech. Right. So we're having an encounter with God at that moment. Mm-hmm. But if, I'm sorry, I'll make you the atheist. Yeah, God. okay. If you're the atheist, it's okay. You can save the other right. Okay, okay. okay. And, uh, <laughs> if, if you lay there, you know, you have, even though you're an encounter in God's word, you have a particular response to that. Mm-hmm. And you might say, wow, you know, isn't it amazing that this incredible random universe, still my brain responds to this, this visual stimulation. This way. It's amazing being here, yeah. you know, perfectly rational response. And uh, you know you, you you might be uh, uh, Islamic or something, yeah. mm-hmm. and don't, you'll get saved too. Good. And, uh, <laughs> and before next Sunday, before next. <laughs> and um, you know you have a, a, another sort of response. It's like wow, the God of uh, the God of Majesty, the God of so on and so forth. Nothing about the nearness of God, the beauty of God, because it's framed by your your Islamic theology. We've all had an experience with God, but only the person who has an encounter with Scripture then has a framework, an authoritative framework through which to process that emotional response to what God is doing and saying. Mm-hmm. Or another person might say, you know, oh boy, it's so beautiful. You know, that means God loves everybody and God's going to save everybody and everything's okay and, and yeah. butterflies. And, and they're having a legitimate encounter with something that God is saying. Yeah. They don't have a scriptural framework to process right. it through. Yeah, so that good. distinction became really, really important for me in, in broadening where I was willing to hear God. That mm-hmm. uh, only scripture was authoritative for processing but that God was speaking in all kinds of other places. Right. And that all that was not only fair game, but was designed by God and, and good. Yeah. And, um, and that included supernatural experience. And, um, I, you know, I, I felt in some ways, I think, ashamed of my doubt. And so even the fact that I would go to God and say, you know, um, would you, you know, would you do something to help my, help my belief? I felt very ashamed of that. Hmm. And there's, because as though, you know, you were admitted some kind of defect. I, mean, I suppose it is in some ways, but, you know, we have this. I mean, biblically, when somebody says, you know, Moses, go go do this and talk to Pharaoh, and he goes, well, I have a question about that. What if they ask me a question right. I can't answer? And right. God patiently answers that. Right. And what if, what if, what if? And, you know, Thomas, you mentioned this yeah. morning, you know, I, until I put my hands in those holes, I can't believe. I needed you in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, funny. it's just not like, so So the next thing that happened, Jesus shows up and lightning comes out of his fingers and, and you know, everybody stopped doubting. He actually meets him. God meets Moses at the burning bush in his doubts. Yeah. God meets Thomas in his doubts. Yeah. It isn't a, it, he's not mad about being questioned. No. It's almost an expected response that as long as those questions are leading towards faith, yeah. everything's yeah. cool. So it's not until Moses goes, well, just send somebody else. Like, okay, then the anger of the Lord burned sure. against him. You know, it's good. Well, I, questions are great. I think, I think faith begins with doubt. Well, it yeah. does. And I think the thing that, that I finally started to realize is that 
the the gifts you know that that I might have and might bring to the community of faith. In some ways, were contingent on doubt. Mm-hmm. They were contingent on questioning, reevaluating, rearticulating for yeah. a new generation. Mm-hmm. And so, doubt was just going to be a part of my journey. It was going to be right. a, a part of the shadow that I carried with me because of the sun that traveled with me. You know? so, yeah. Something you said last night. We were hanging out, and and there was two words you used. One was indoctrination, and one was education. Yes. And I, I think one of the places that, yes. if we're not careful, especially in Christian education, yes. it'll be a center for indoctrination. Absolutely. This is what we believe. Yep. And if you don't believe that, you're wrong. Versus, how do we discover what's truly true? Right. And and if we believe we have the truth, then we can compare it right. to anything else. Right. And in the end, it still stands as truth. Right. So I, I think, like you're saying at North Point, there you're you're helping kids to ask questions. It's not a crisis of faith. It's actually the beginning of it of your own faith, right. not an inherited right. faith right. from your parents or your church or your your denomination. Yeah. It's it's an important part of the process. Yeah, and that's a beautiful when that happens. I know that it's painful. You know, you see people go through and it's painful, been there, know that it's painful. But there's also, um, and when I say having come through the other side, I wouldn't say that I never, I, I'm a person uh, on occasion still struggles, especially when it comes to when people are hurting deeply. And I see, I, I struggle with that one. You know, you know, God, where are you in that? And I'll just be honest, I, I don't know all the answers to that. When I was 19, I, I did know. I, I did. I'll, I'll tell you after we're done. <laughs> when I was 19, I did. But, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. But seeing students go through that, I'll be honest, I, my heart gets warm and I get joy because I'm like, I know what lies on the other side of this, which is something so much more rich and right. so much more beautiful for them. But the pain, the process is painful, for sure. Yeah. I'm curious about your story because you say, you know, if you're ever going to reverse engineer the president of a Bible college, I don't think I'd start <laughs> with the story that I've heard. So you talk yeah. about 19 years old, you got saved. Can I just ask that question? Like, what, what happened? Tell me that 19 year old story. Yeah, I was going to ask that, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as I said, I have zero excuse uh, for not being a Christian when I was like three and all BBS and all that. And I, I don't want to say, you know, the scripture says we're dead in sin. And I think, I don't know, it's just a metaphor that I literally do not remember ever thinking about becoming a Christian or a God, even though I went to church every Sunday. It just mm-hmm. never dawned on me. Never. Um, I had a couple of, uh, my best friend overdosed when I was uh, uh, 16. Mm-hmm. And had some uh, similar kind of circumstances happen with me personally, where, you know, you pray the prayer, you know, God, if, if I live, you know, all whatever, and of course, when the crisis is averted. I, I don't even know if I would call that thinking about God, though, because it just, it wasn't, it was just desperation. You know? right. I, I think if I'd been raised in any other religion, I would have, you know, cried out to whatever. It just, it wasn't thought out. It was just desperate. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, I was very much, a, um, even though I didn't do well in school at all, again, not ideal for a, for a college president. <laughs> and I love the students that come in that way. You know they're smart. You know they're bright. You know they're, they right. want to do well. They just blew school. And I'm like, you're in the right place. <laughs> we, can, we can do this together. Yeah. I, I love you and I want to be a part of your home getting to me. But um, it, uh, it, it was such a, a, a fascinating thing because I was very uh, utopian kind of thinking, like uh, kind of hippie driven. And I'm like, you know, very strongly motivated, not politically in terms of political structures, but like, that there should be equality of power and social economics and so on and so forth. That was probably that was probably fifty percent of the way to becoming a communist. And um, <laughs> and um, I had a, a friend of mine who was older than me, um, had been in California, had been active in the uh, protest movements of the '60s. I just idolized him. Mm-hmm. And um, he was uh, we we partook of, of substances together on occasions. And uh, he was just kind of my idol in that way. And, and he used to say, you know, you know, if we ever get arrested, I'm going to stand up in the courtroom and say, God gave forth every plant bearing seed, you know. And, <laughs> and, and I spoke most of them. And, um, 
He just, he just was very so a little way into that relationship. I was about eighteen, and God was just so setting me up to become a Christian. I didn't even know. <laughs> I, I did not even know uh, a relationship that I thought was going to go the distance just kind of evaporated. And then this guy who's like, you know, this is it. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get a degree in political science, and um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna help create you know a utopian community where we, we smoke a lot of pot and we love each other. <laughs> and um, that's really kind of my goal. The phrase vote oh, for man. Bernie was that? Yeah, right? was that, was that, was that, it was B U R N Y. And I just don't picture you as that guy. I wish you guys could see his face. I don't. You don't, you, you don't seem like the the pothead. Thank you. Yeah. So it, was, it was, you know, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think it's that you speak in complete sense. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, you've got some funny stuff. You're so, you're so smart. <laughs> right. But um, so this guy, uh, he ends up being, he starts to be watched by the police. And uh, I go over to his house, and I'm the only younger person that he deals with, and he becomes convinced that, that I have turned the police on to him. Oh, my goodness. And I'm in his bathroom, and he throws the door open, and he says, I'm going to look in the back of that toilet. And he says, if you've planted drugs in there. I'm Jay right here now, and actually he had killed people in the past. Yeah. And um, that was not so much frightening to me in terms of fear, but all of a sudden I was like, all, it was another part of my illusion about yeah. life that started to fall down. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't that long after that it was a Thursday, and um, my friends and I had, had, uh, had been using drugs. And I uh, just got more than I bargained for. And Friday came, and I still couldn't come down. And Saturday came, and I still couldn't come down. And Sunday came, and I still couldn't come down. Wow. Hadn't had any sleep in about three days. And um, I finally said, I gotta go to the emergency room. I'm gonna die. And heart, my resting heart rate was like 120, 130. And um, went to the emergency room. I was walking around in circles, just trying to stay sane. And uh, first time in my entire life, this felt like the Lord said, JP, I know, you know. And uh, if you die, it's not gonna go well for you. Yeah. So watch make a choice, and um, right there and then I just said, okay, you know, God, I mean, it just all dawned on me all the hurt that I'd caused to my parents, all the hurt that I'd caused to in relationships, friendships, and dating relationships, all the wow. lack of stewardship in my life. And I was, you know, dear God, I feel happy, you know, I mean, yeah. was, which was really just a hope. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I didn't have a bunch of theology. I just, it was just a hope that God might. Right. And uh, I remembered one verse: um, those who call, all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Was my one. Thank God, it was my one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. Why wasn't something about like yeah. out of Leviticus? Yeah, something. you should give a tenth of your offerings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing. I mean, I'm tithing, but yeah. and um, and really, you know, I, I you know, and, and my heart goes out to people who make a faith commitment to Christ, and you know, it really becomes a significant process with with you know substances and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it was I was born again. It was, it was new. Yeah. It was different. It was all gone and zero desire. I smoked one cigarette after I became a Christian. Okay, and. Um, it tasted roughly like I was sucking on someone's, uh, you know, finger. I, it was horrible. <laughs> it was and I threw, threw I, I didn't have a conviction against littering. I threw the rest of the pack out the window. On the <laughs> I think back about that. I think, well, you know, it probably wasn't the, the oldest response, but it was the response I knew. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that's the story. And it was, it was all different from then on out. It was, it was, a, it was a game changer. So let me ask you this. After that happens, um, you obviously have friends that you were running around in yeah. different circles. What was their reaction? All of a sudden, you're just this totally different person than you were before you went to the emergency room, you know? Yeah. What was that like? So I had this group of about, uh, about 10, 12 guys, and uh, we, we had a, a buddy of mine, we hung out in his basement and basically lived there. And um, I went over there, and of course we all dressed like hippies, so I walk in, I've gotten, I've gotten <laughs> saved, I walk in there, and this is true, I'm wearing, I'm wearing leather sandals that are like very Jesus-like. So right. <laughs> Jesus-like. 
and I'm wearing the Grateful Dead t-shirt. And uh, I, I walk in and I walk down to the basement and I, and I just said, I like got all my, you know, new, new Christian, you know, trying to muster all your courage. Yeah. I walked down to the basement, let sort of spread the smoke so I could see the guys, you know. I said, hey guys, I said, uh, I just stopped by for a minute and I just got to tell you guys we're not going to really see me again anytime soon because I'm following Jesus. And I laughed because they looked at me like I was the one who was stuck. Right. Right? Yeah. Right? They're like, oh, he went permatrip. And, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, it was, and I don't know if it was the right decision or not. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I really, for probably about six months, I, I cut off most of those relationships. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I was in a place where those would have been good for me. Now, is that the right answer for everybody? I I don't know. And after about six months, I started strategically rekindling some of those relationships. But um, I did come up, and and sometimes I feel bad. Sometimes I don't know if that was the right call. But it's it's what I did, and I felt like it was the right thing to do at the time. Well, I think there's that statement of, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, There's time when you need to go away and heal and kind of figure out what is happening in your own life, and then... You don't surround yourself with those people again, but you, like you're saying, you put them in strategic yeah. positions where you can still be a positive influence yeah. to them. They're just not influencing you more than you're influencing. Yeah. Them. Well, you know, if we, if we have, you know, if parents are, are listening who have kids that are yeah. away from the Lord, one thing that I always look back and I'm like, people say, well, what, what good was church? You know, what good was it? Um, the fascinating thing is, even though I hadn't been a Christian, once I became a Christian, all that stuff that yeah. had been put in there, it reloaded. Right. And I, we got a new pastor right when I became a Christian. He didn't know my past. I'd been uh-huh. saved like two months, and uh, they had me teach in Sunday school. Which was, <laughs> it was a horrible idea. I mean, I'm in court like three months ago, and they had no idea. They, you know, someone pulled the pastor. I said, Do you know what your past is? It was too late. You know, they already committed. So, it was, yeah. you know, just, you know, you just keep putting the right stuff in, and the Lord brings that stuff to fruit at some point. You know? Yeah. Those are the seeds, right? Seeds that's right. around. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. Well, that's awesome. Um, I would have never expected that. And I think that people that listen to this podcast, same way, would have never expected that <laughs> listening to you on a Sunday. Um, thanks for your time, JP. Yeah, of course. That was Glad awesome. Uh, any other questions, Pastor well, John, before I, we... Before the 90-second close, okay? Yeah. People, we're trying to encourage people to have approached Scripture and said, it's too hard. I don't understand it. It's an ancient book. Mm-hmm. If I read one more big ad, I'm going to throw up. Right. You know, that kind of stuff. If you were approaching the Bible for the first time and you were, your goal was to get to know, you know, this book and, and its author, where would you start? Number one, this is a 90 second answer. Where would you start? And, and then what would that process look like from there? That's great. I mean, obviously, you guys are doing something really important, which is give an overview of everything so you get a big picture of thousands of years of history. Yeah. But I'll tell you that the biggest thing for me, and, and I know this is big for you guys, is story. And mm-hmm. then um, all the documents that are written in, uh, in the scripture are written into a story. They're written for a purpose, right. for a pastoral context. And um, I'm a big fan of, of people spending a lot of time in one book and really listening to that and trying to get an idea. We gave an example this morning. You know, John tells us him hey, writing that you may believe. That's not a joke. He's writing to people who are struggling with doubt. You know, we yeah. that context and that story yeah. light. So getting people to really uh, dive in. I actually, I think uh, historically we've recommended John. I actually think John's a really tough book myself. I think Luke Acts is a great place. Because all our metaphors and those sorts of things. Yeah, because it is a lot of here's uh, a lot of apocalyptic a lot, a lot of apocalyptic theology that's mm-hmm. bound into there. <laughs> um, I think Luke Acts is a great start. As a sort of a Greek historian, Greco-Roman historian, mm-hmm. thinks a little more like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Pentateuch epistles or the uh, I'm sorry, the Pauline epistles are great. But that'd be my biggest encouragement. And use the tools that are out there for goodness' sake. Yeah. You know, God God gave gifts to the community of faith teachers and. Uh, 
Yeah. There's some incredible stuff. Tom Wright's, uh, you know, done this series, incredible scholar, but done a popular series for people, you know, Paul for Every Man. And mm -hmm. It's great, 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 great stuff that, that's a help. Use it. God gave us those people for a reason. Right. So just for the record, we asked a, a president of Bible College, where should you start? And he said the hermeneutics of Luke and historiography. <laughs> and there it was. That's, that's an inside joke. You know that. Yeah. I actually that's know that joke. Do you know that joke? I should, I should have said it in exactly those words. <laughs> I should have. If I'd been on my feet, uh, I would have done it. Thanks, right. yeah, appreciate well, your time. Thank you appreciate so much for your time. Uh, thank you, Pastor Jim, for being on. Thank I know, you, Pastor I know, Josh. I know the congregation dislikes hearing, I mean, it's been like, what, four weeks since you've been in the pulpit. It'll, so be, it's it'll good. be four weeks without me preaching, yeah. So yeah, so it's yeah. good you get to talk for a little bit on the podcast. Yeah. We'll be back next week with Pastor Jordan. Pastor who, Jordan uh, just I have heard I'm going to have to record our podcast like 20 feet away from him because he's a loud he's, screaming guy. He's, so. he's loud, yeah. yeah. He's not subtle. All right, thanks Freedom Center. Thanks anyone else that was listening. We'll uh, catch you next week on the podcast. Have a great week.